Seth Spins contains mild adult language. The views of the members of this podcast do not reflect the views of Viking Fusion or Viking Fusion staff. Viewer discretion is advised. Hello, everyone, and uh, welcome back to Seth Spins. This is Season 3, Episode 4, and I'm very excited to have another guest spot today. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, I am Philip Walker. Um, let's see, do you just want me to, like, talk about, like, what I do and stuff? Yeah, just, like, give me a rundown on, like, you know, maybe your major and stuff and, like, anything regarding music you want to sort of just throw out there. Okay, so I am a film major, and I work I work here, you know, at Fusion, so I've, you know, done this kind of stuff, so... But um, music-wise, um, I don't really, like, I've never, like, made music or anything. I've tried to, like, learn guitar and stuff, but that did not work out. <laughs> um, but um, I like a lot of just, like, rock music, you know, that kind of thing. A lot of classic rock, modern rock, alternative, all sorts of stuff, like, in that general vicinity. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we mentioned before uh, going on to the podcast that uh, something you really wanted to talk about was the Eagles. Yeah. It's sort of the pinnacle of classic rock, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, one thing you noted was that this sort of inspired some of your more serious writing. Do you want to elaborate on that a little bit? Okay, so yeah, so I started, I'm, I wrote an outline for a script um, for a story that was inspired by Hotel California, but it was kind of like the reverse, like, of it. So Hotel California tells a story of, like, you know, um, people that are kind of, it's like a rags to riches kind of story, So, but whenever they get to the riches, you know, this, like, ho- big hotel with pink champagne on ice, mm-hmm. um... And then, but they they get trapped there, you know. Yeah. They can't leave. It's all it's a tragic tale. Yeah, it's a tragedy. Yeah. So I kind of like wrote this um, version where it's like these kind of like rich kids that want to like a you know, they want to live a simpler life than they already mm-hmm. do, and so they go out into the woods, um, and they stumble upon this like that this cult that lives out there, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, the 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 cult like basically it's like the hotel. They don't let them leave, although it's you know it's. It's a little less symbolic, I guess, but um, but yeah, that's just. I'm gonna pull up my notes. I actually have notes on yeah, yeah, this yeah. whole thing real quick. Um, so talking about Hotel California, obviously most people understand this is sort of the Eagles' biggest hit. It's uh something like a six seven minute song, sort of detailing a uh, sort of rags to riches story that sort of ends in sort of a tragic uh outcome. It's it, it is a very big sort of uh, analogy talking about sort of the American dream and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um. I can I'll speak on this. So I've actually watched a lot of documentaries on the Eagles, and yeah. so writer of the song Don Henley, he said that put at you know he said there's this entire culture around the song of people say it's music industry, it's addiction to drugs, it's purgatory, it's hell, it's all these different things that like you know there's there's conspiracy theories around it. Several interpretations, except for anything literal. Yeah, exactly. But Henley said. What the the main point of the song is that it's a journey from innocence to experience. Mm -hmm. And so whenever I was kind of like just writing this thing, that's like the main basic point that I want. You know, know, the the famous lyric is you can check out anytime you want, but you can never leave, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like from being innocent, you know, and then you're once you're no longer innocent, you can like kind of check yourself out. You can just choose not to kind of like focus on things, but you can never like you can never really be innocent again mm-hmm. once you, like, have, like, I- experienced life. So I think that's, like, a really, really cool, like, it's a, theme. 
It's absolutely interesting because um, for what I've always read, it's always been like, oh, it's the music industry this and the music industry that and talking about how once you get into your record deal, you can't get out, which is totally a valid interpretation of the song. Mm -hmm. But it's really interesting how you're able to sort of take that idea and say it is more of a mindset. It's more of a generic interpretation that more people can maybe get into. And I think that's part of the Eagles' sort of attempt to appeal to as many people as possible Mm -hmm. is to say, let's give them this... Not necessarily bare bones, but more just kind of broad appeal, um, talking about like, you know, maybe don't do things that you can't get out of. Yeah. It's I very, very interesting. Henley said that music industry probably like that that, you know, conspiracy theory, that has some validation that like kinda inspired the song and a lot of the lyrics, but like that's not just what it is. You know, there's a lot more to the song than just just it being about the music industry. And it's clear the Eagles definitely enjoyed what they were doing. I oh, mean yeah. they they have a discography that clearly had a lot of thought put into it yeah absolutely um what do you think this is sort of the question i've written down regarding the eagles is do you think hotel california is truly the magnum opus song of their discography knowing that it is their most popular or would you say that there are other songs that are maybe less uh culturally appealing or popular to uh, general audiences that might be more intriguing or interesting that you might want to recommend to someone I think there's a lot of songs on the Hotel California album that mm-hmm. are way, way underrated. There's this one song um, called uh, Pretty Maids All in a Row. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it's, it's like it's it's got some of the most introspective lyrics, like despite the title. It's not it's not the song kind of song you would expect. It's very, very slow piano ballad. Um, and he says, why must we give up our hearts to the past and why must we grow up so fast? And that's kind of like like the peak of the song, but it's you know it's very slow, and I don't know. Every time I listen to that song, I just like I just get chills, and especially like those two lyrics. And I just like mm-hmm. I think that's one really good song for um for like a slow song. Do, um, do those lyrics resonate with you personally? Oh yeah, one hundred percent, definitely. Um, let's see. There's um a song called "Try and Love Again," and it's not this one's not necessarily for the lyrics, but there's this one riff in it that it kind of starts out with, and I, I, I'm not going to try to do it, um, but... You just can't get enough of it. Yeah, but it's just so... It's really cool. Mm-hmm. And um, let's see. Let me pull up my uh, Eagles playlist. Yeah. Um, let's see. There's... Of course, there's Take It Easy. Mm-hmm. And I feel like um, Peaceful Easy Feeling, a lot of people think, is it's the same album. It's the debut album. It's just as good. And but people don't recognize that one as much, and it's kind of the, kind of like the same feel as "Take It Easy," um, and then probably probably "Desperado." And these are all off of Hotel California. No, I'm sorry. Song? Let's see. Take uh, "Take It Easy" and "Peaceful Easy Feeling" are on the debut album, the first mm-hmm. album. It's just titled "Eagles." Okay. Um, and then "Desperado" is just on "Desperado" album. Okay. So, but um, "Try and Love Again" and "Pretty Maids All in a Row," they're on Hotel California. Okay. Sorry. So um, do you think there's anything in particular that makes Hotel California, I'm assuming it's your favorite of all of them? Oh, yeah. It's, it's my favorite song of all time. Do you, think it, um, do you think Hotel California as an album has more qualities that make it unique and interesting and worth listening to than their other albums? Or do you think it's more so just your favorite song happens to be on there? Um, wait, can, you, can you say the question again? And I got like, it. does Hotel California as an album speak to you more because of the album's songs in totality? Or do you think it's more so just Hotel California happens to be on that album 
therefore it is my favorite album. I think it's the latter, but like it's not it's not the reason it's my favorite album, but I'd say it introduced me okay. to like to the Eagles. So Hotel California has been my favorite songs since I was like seven, like since I was really, really little. You know, my, my grandpa and my dad would play it for me and I'd be like, whoa, you know, this song is so cool. And I would just, I would, once I grew up, I just kept on listening to it and listening to it. And then around my senior year of high school, I was like, I really like this song and I really like a lot of other songs by the Eagles. I'm going to listen to some more. And then I, you know, ended up going through the whole, like their whole discography. And I think I found Hotel California just has the most interesting songs. So, mm-hmm. personal favorite. Yeah, personal favorite. Um, switching topics a little bit, you've mentioned a band, a small indie band called I Fight Dragons. Do you want to just sort of elaborate on that a little bit? Yes, this this makes me really excited. I love this band. So what they their their style is like, it's not something you'll you'll ever hear. I don't think it's like electronic, alternative classic rock. <laughs> That's a lot of words. A hodgepodge. Like, yeah, it's 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 so they're but what they do is they use chiptune, mm-hmm. which is what um was used to make classic like video game sounds like from the Atari and you know mm-hmm. the classic Game Boy and you know Pokemon and Galaga Nintendo and Entertainment System kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, all like all you know vintage old video games mm-hmm. retro stuff. Um, eight bit. Yeah, eight bit. Yeah, that's the word. That's the word. Um, but they use that to incorporate they incorporate that in all of their songs Mm -hmm. so it that gives it kind of like this electronic aspect but it's also very very like rock influenced and so um in a way both of those things come together as being distinctly retro to sort of make something new entirely yeah so um they've got one their most popular song is one called uh crazies which is basically just like about a zombie apocalypse so it's very, you know, that 8-bit gives it a lot of their, their songs and lyrics, their themes. It's very nerd, I guess, geek-ish, kind of, that kind of thing. So, you know, it incorporates, like, video games, pop culture and stuff, too, into a lot of it. So um, they actually came up with a, a, a new album called Canonize, which is their first one that they're completely independent. So they've tried major record labels um, and on all their previous albums, but Canonize was actually made through Patreon. Mm-hmm. And so and a big reason why they're influenced me as like a uh, film is that I, it, it's music that I like, that I listen to, that has great lyrics, very like introspective lyrics. Mm-hmm. That is also like, I've actually contacted them and they said, yeah, if you want to use this for your next uh, project, by all means, please, you know. They, did, you, they would, um, did you contribute to their Patreon when they were doing that? Yes, me and my brother both did. Both did. Do you so, want to elaborate on that a little bit? That's super interesting. Yeah, they, they um, so they would come up with, like, with, um, like, demos, basically. It's basically demos, and, like, you would get to, like, offer, like, suggestions for their songs for, like, the higher payments, but I didn't, I didn't go that far, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, but just, like, you would get to hear like little riffs or lyrics that they're trying out and then just basically it's like it was just a whole bunch of sneak peeks you know for the songs that they were coming up and you're just like basically along with it like with the writing of the album so mm-hmm. it was really really cool experience um i've always enjoyed um sort of contributing to um artists that don't adhere to like major record labels because mm-hmm. it seems like a lot of the time those major record labels will stifle creativity 
because those bands and those artists will have to pump out music and essentially art in a time span that does not allow them to sort of elaborate on their ideas or get out things that they want to get out, but more so I have to fulfill this contract, if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. seeing a band like I Fight Dragons or uh, so the artists I listen to, um, the one that comes to mind right now is Frank Ocean as like somebody who's recently left major labels. Um, it's interesting to see that they're able to create music that they want to create. And I think in your case and in my case, it can sometimes resonate more with us because they clearly want to make what they're making and it's clearly resonating with people to the point where they do want to, you know, commit to a Patreon and sort of give them money because it just speaks to them so much. Mm. Mm. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, one of their one of their songs that I probably like the most is called 18. Mm. It's literally just about, like, being 18 years old. And, it, and the, the chorus goes, uh, 18 at a traffic light, um, nowhere to be on a Friday night. I got it all. I got nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that that is the quintessential college experience. Yeah, that, that's that's and that's why like all their all their music really resonates. It's like not only is it like you know this like geeky kind of like chip tune aspect of it that really like resonates with mm-hmm. things that I'm interested in like video games and stuff, but it also like they've got those I've got it all I've got nothing like really around this kind of like college high school age that I think really reaches out to a lot of people, and I think it's really a shame. That there's not enough people that listen to them, I mm-hmm. think, because I think a lot of it would appeal to way more people. Well, it's really nice because um, I know I'd definitely be in the same position as somebody who grew up on a bunch of video games, you know, growing up, and um, also being in that same life stage of like going through college and understanding that it's a changing point in my life where I feel like I simultaneously have all of these options, but also can't really make any decisions or don't really own anything by myself, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Yeah. So it definitely would be something that appealed to me and I'm sure many other people. Mm -hmm. If, uh, if, are you familiar with the show on ABC called the Goldbergs? Um, I've heard of it, but I can't put like faces to the names. It's basically just like about like a family, like in the eighties, but, um, but you know, it's a, it's a pretty popular show. The only thing I think many people would recognize I Fight Dragons from is they wrote the intro for that show. Yeah. That's so, super interesting. Uh, yeah, it's it's that's like I think that's I always kind of try to mention that in case like people like mm-hmm. oh yeah that's them, and that's that's how I found out about them. So you, you so. mentioned earlier that they like sort of pushed you into this sort of filmic idea of like music. Yeah. Do you think that that Goldberg's uh, intro sort of put that into your brain a little bit? I think it probably like rooted it early, but I think it really really happened like whenever I explored more of their music. Mm-hmm. Which at this point has been like it's been a big nostalgia factor for me too. I've been listening to it like since middle school, right? You know, ever since I like I had like a device, mm-hmm. you know, it, that I could put in my hand to like explore different music and stuff. So, um, but I think a lot of their one of their first albums, I think it is their first like full album, is called a uh, Kaboom, and it's got like it's just like the quintessential like album for the band like it's got all sorts of it's got um the 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 song the the title track kaboom is just like i don't know it's got so much of the of the 8-bit aspect to Mm -hmm. it that i think i don't know it just it just like it's not that it creates like um it creates like an atmosphere yeah like like a mood a feeling that like just can't be replicated and that like it replicated in any like other songs that i've seen but i i want to like be able to try to replicate it like within film if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Well, 
Also, and I've talked about atmosphere before in music and sort of the cinematic quality that a lot of songs can exhibit, but it's really interesting to hear about a band that's able to pull that off in a digital space, mm-hmm. where a lot of times, like, people will say, oh, this is very cinematic sounding or very cinematic quality when they hear, like, string arrangements or they hear percussion or anything that's, like, distinctly acoustic. But being able to hear about a band that's able to accomplish that using, you know, chiptune and that kind of thing is really, really cool because mm-hmm. that's very, very hard to accomplish because it's just such a cold sound. Yeah, in some ways. Oh yeah, that that I think that's definitely true. Um, for uh, there's this one song I know I keep on bringing up songs, but um, oh, absolutely. Uh, it's called "Burning It Down," mm-hmm. and it's it's another kind of like slow piano ballad. Um, but it's just like it goes it goes really really soft and slow, and it's just lyrics and piano, and then it, it like all of a sudden like in the middle of it, it just you just get this giant guitar riff that just like. It's just this huge, huge emotional impact, and it feels like I've watched a movie in like three minutes. It sort of know? emulates that payoff yeah. in a way. It, yeah. it, it's such it's such a nice payoff, and that's like you know that's one song that I. It's actually from Can and I, so you know that's kind of like free game yeah. for soundtracking for um, like a short film or anything. Mm-hmm. So that's something I definitely want to use because it like I don't know a lot of their songs just create such like emotional impact and they resonate with me so much that I think. It's it's something like the closest like music that's ever really really resonated with me as much as film has, and it's super. I, I won't say lucky, but it's super nice that you're able to actually take a band that's been so influential on you for so many years and be able to say, "Hey, can I borrow this?" And they're like, "Absolutely." Yeah. Like that's so that's so useful. It's yeah. so interesting to be able to actually talk to somebody who makes labor major label quality music and say, I want to use this in my, um, for lack of a better term, amateur projects to be able to sort of get an idea of how to make cinematic quality in sound. And I think that's, that's awesome. Oh yeah, definitely. I really appreciate that. Um, one of the things you brought up was uh, country music inspirations and your sort of title track for that was uh, from Ty- Tyler Childers. Childers, yeah. Childers. Tyler Childers. Um, so okay, I got it wrong the first time too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, let's see. I feathered Indians. It's like one of the biggest things about it is it tells a full story through the lyrics. You know, it's it's this tale of two people that you know they kind of help each other like become better people, and then but you know it's it's not something that can really kind of stay forever. You know, they do it as a, like as a sacrifice for each other. So it's like. I don't know. It's it's another example of like telling a story within like a three minute short three minute time span that I think is like really really something that a lot of country music does and country music really more than a lot of genres I think mm-hmm. that and I think that's kind of like not unrepresented but it's just something that a lot of people recognize. It definitely I feel like country music sort of has a stigma surrounding it and that sort of goes into my question that I prepared for you would be so prior to podcasting uh, you mentioned that. It's sort of country doesn't show up as much as it should in films and television. Do you think that there is like a stigma surrounding it? And do you believe that'll change over time? I wouldn't. I don't know if I would say there's a stigma surrounding it, but it's just like I think that that kind of that small townness of that's in a lot of country music that that feeling that it gives off. Um, you know, they just I don't see it a lot in a lot of big media TV shows and, and films and stuff. And it's you know it's obviously something that's close close to me as like as someone who grew up you know like in Georgia in a small town um, like I just it's not something I've seen phys- like visually mm-hmm. in a movie like that I can honestly like think of like straight to that comes straight to my brain but like obviously you've seen 
like big cities like LA, yeah, all sorts of movies and, and like you know big city like Tokyo, like Lost in Translation. That's a big big movie, mm-hmm. and like I don't know. It, I think a lot of movies get kind of grounded out of um, that kind of reality. So I can I can probably raise you one director that I think does use sort of more rural soundtracking in some of their films, and I would I would raise the Coen Brothers. Have you ever seen No Country for oh, Old Men? Oh, yeah. Um, I haven't seen No Country for Old Men, but um, I've seen Coen Brothers. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, when you say that, I think, like, Inside Lewin Davis. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, yeah, it's New York, but it's, like, it's that folk um, indie mm-hmm. that's literally, it's it's whole lot like um, Tyler Childers, like we just yeah. mentioned. I I can definitely see that there. Yeah. So um, Another great example, um, and this kind of goes into more bluegrass and folk than necessarily country, but I feel like they're tangentially related, sort of yeah. rural background. Yeah. Um, no, um, oh brother, where art thou? Yes, definitely. I feel like that's a huge one. I just watched that recently, but yeah, I can I can definitely see that. So I, it's not that it's like, you know, it's not non-existent within movies, but I think it's underappreciated. Going, yeah, it's underappreciated. That that's yeah, it's a really good word. Do you do you think there are some films that could have benefited from a shift toward? a more rural soundtrack that maybe they didn't get. Like, I know I've definitely seen films, I can't think of any that come to mind, that use soundtracks that don't necessarily fit the narrative, whereas it might be, like, a Western film with very, like, uh, different influences. I know, like, Django Unchained. Yeah. I remember its soundtrack was definitely very Tarantino-esque in that it didn't necessarily match the um, film setting. Like, I remember mm-hmm. there's, like, some... Uh, he loves to use, like, David Bowie songs yeah, in, yeah. like, in 18... 18- 50s movie which is just mm-hmm. very interesting yeah i yeah i think they definitely could have been used like used a different soundtrack um i think a lot of like a lot of like classic country kind of would have fit for mm-hmm. that one like um you know it's it's got this like outlaw the movie has like this outlaw feel to it and obviously you know there's outlaw country is a thing mm-hmm. and i think it was i don't know it was definitely missing that so no there's definitely westernized country that could absolutely go into mm-hmm. any movie surrounding outlaws or anything oh, like yeah. that like marty robbins would mm-hmm. be a prime example yeah of just like western as a genre as opposed to country which could totally work really really well and then um, I think a lot of like Johnny Cash mm. that I think that is underused to like his Absolutely. his music. Like I don't I can't think of a movie that uses a song like as a part of the soundtrack. But mm. I can like there's probably a lot that definitely would have benefited. And across so many years of his sort of discography, too. I mean, I could say Ring of Fire would be awesome for so many different movies, but also oh, like yeah. his cover of Hurt. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's incredible. It's better than the Nine Inch Nails version. Oh yeah, by far. You know, Nine Inch Nails actually gave him the rights to the song. Though they did. Yeah. Is, is it sort of like the situation with Jimi Hendrix taking a All Along the Watchtower by Bob Dylan? Yeah, I think I think so. Where it's like you own the song at this point. Mm-hmm. Like you did it. You outdid me. Like take it. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's what happened. They said this is your song. This is not our song. <laughs> I wonder if they've ever used that song in a film because I feel like they, they use it in Logan. Oh, they do. Yeah, I've never seen it. That I've never seen like it either, but I I know that it's like my like my friends came to me and said we just watched Logan. They used her. I'm so <laughs> happy. <laughs> no, I could totally see that working because I saw that that film had like a darker tone, which would be mm-hmm. really really interesting. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, are there any uh, country songs you wanted to mention besides Tyler Childers? Let me think. Um, um, and that was uh, Feathered Indians, by the way. Yeah, that song. That's such a good story. I highly recommend that. Um, let's see. I don't know. That's a lot of good ones. Um, let's see. Joe Diffie. He actually he actually just recently passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, but he uh, 
John Deere Green. Have you ever heard that song? Um, I would have to hear it. Okay, but well, it's it's you know it, the chorus is just like in John Deere Green, he painted this on the water tower. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's very very country, and I you know I don't think a lot of people really know Joe Diffie that much, and I think um, especially that song John Deere Green, it it it's another example of like telling a story within some within a song that I think is just like I don't know it's just so cool to me mm-hmm. and that's another like reason that I want to like create stories like with film like I can't really I can't I don't do music but I can I can do film and you can appropriate these yeah. ideas and put them into films and create new contexts out of them which exactly. is just that much more interesting like I don't want to badmouth Tarantino too much I loved the way he used David Bowie in Inglorious Bastards yeah I thought that was such an interesting use of a song that maybe didn't make sense historically but it added a whole new meaning to what he was doing in that particular scene mm-hmm. so yeah um, so you've got your country. Are you yeah, country out? Country. Yeah. <laughs> um, so classic rock. You mentioned Led Zeppelin and Boston as particular influences. Yes. Okay. So Zeppelin, Zeppelin just like, it's another example of creating that atmosphere, you know, that like, it's not necessarily like psychedelic, but it's just almost like out of body kind of thing. You know, it's, I think of like, uh, Babe, I'm Gonna Leave You and Stairway to Heaven. Mm-hmm. Like, those are two classic examples where it's just like, it just feels like you're just like floating. You Absolutely. Know? Mm-hmm. And I think, I don't know, it's just like creating mood just in general, whether it be like through like the music, using that music to put into a movie and like kind of create that mood or just like creating the mood purely visually or purely like through audio. So. Mm-hmm. I know, in particular for me, Stairway to Heaven was always an interesting one because, um, personal anecdote, my mother's prom, when she was in high school, she said that they played Stairway to Heaven. And I've always been extremely jealous because they would never do that nowadays. Oh, yeah. That... But it, it just sounds so, like, nice to listen to. Like, it just seems like a wonderful experience because it sort of has the qualities of that, like, wall of sound is what I'd call it, mm-hmm. where it, it is overwhelming to the point where you feel like you're just immediately sucked into the, like, environment of the song. Like, you feel like you're floating because it's, you know, Stairway to Heaven. Oh, yeah. You feel like you're ascending, you know, that kind of idea. And then, like, it's, like, once you've reached, like, the peak of the song and it's, like, it's just going, like, hard Mm -hmm. on the guitars and it's just, like, hard rock at this point. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. It's just, like, it's, like, you're at the peak of that floating, like, feeling and then it comes, like, comes back down and you're, like, and then it's just like it's it's been a whole entire like journey. It's been a full it's like experience. it's like a narrative arc like yeah. you would have in country, but instead of in the words, it's sort of in the music. Yeah, it's in the in feeling. A way. It follows like that trajectory of like yeah. climax and denouement and that kind of thing. It's really it's really cool. Yeah. Um, do you have a particularly favorite album from Led Zeppelin or particular songs besides what you mentioned? Um, I, no, definitely I don't have a really a favorite album, but um. Like I mentioned, uh, Babe, I'm Gonna Leave You, that's a very, very underappreciated song, mm-hmm. I think, that I don't hear much of. And it's got such a cool riff. It's mm-hmm. it's so cool. And then um, Going to California, that's a softer, you know, it's like that's an acoustic song. But I think that's another another really good one um, that kind of creates that, that same exact, you know, like kind of floating mood that, yeah. that Zeppelin is just so good at doing. Mm-hmm. Um, Boston. Boston. And I'm coming from a bit of a different background on Boston. I've I have listened to their self-titled album 
constantly. I love the fact that they produced that out of, I believe it was a basement. Is that correct? I think so, yeah. I believe it was out of a basement, but it's just super, like, surprising to hear that considering that it sounds so well produced. Mm -hmm. Like, that is some of the most, like, in-your-face music that you can hear from that time period that still sounds new today. Yeah. Um, So Boston is my dad's favorite band, Mm -hmm. like, of all time, and so that's kind of, like, what got me into it. And um, so, obviously, more than a feeling... That's a, yeah. That's a great. Oh, classic. That's just like classic rock. Classic rock. That's literally the, like this perfect word. The poster classic child, rock. honestly. Oh yeah. Like one of. And then uh, long time, you know, mm-hmm. like foreplay, long time. I think that's another one that's that's like really underappreciated, um, especially like with the, the the purely instrumental beginning, the you know the actual the foreplay of it. Mm-hmm. That's that's just. I don't know. It's 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 hard to put an into awesome words. lead in. Yeah, to such an awesome song. Mm-hmm. It's that's that's like I said. It's hard to put into words. It's it creates that mood that just like you can't really say like you know with Zeppelin you can say it feels floaty like we keep on saying but like with Boston I feel like there's like there's an atmosphere around it that's just like element of grandeur. Yeah, I would say yeah. like it feels like it is coming from like a regal place. Like mm-hmm. it, it is it is bigger than other songs it feels like has a sense of place that just outdoes other songs Mm -hmm. from the same era yeah that's a really good way of putting it i like that yeah it kind of reminds me of the album cover that has like the little ufo coming Mm -hmm. over like it's otherworldly in a way like it it just sounds so pristine and so quality Mm -hmm. i would say quality is a great word too like quality and grandeur sort of feels inherent to that album yeah i think they they use that in a lot of they use the the ufo um, theme in a whole lot of their different let's see that's in the self-titled in Boston which is their debut album mm-hmm. and then Don't Crazy Look Back has their the same debut. thing it seems like a lot of it's very like space themed and that that kind of like adds to that it's not necessarily that they have like you know like sci-fi lyrics but it's that mm-hmm. adds to that element of like you know this is something big mm-hmm. you know that I that's so good with it, Boston it kind of predates arena rock but it sort of sounds like it would just kill oh, yeah. in like a stadium with 50,000 mm-hmm. people it would be incredible to hear Boston songs as they were played back then yeah. to so many different people I'm like I wish I could like see Boston. Are they still Are they still touring? Do you know? I'm not quite sure. I mean, it's been probably 50 years, over yeah. 50 years at this point. Um, yeah. But no, like I'm not one to say I was born in the wrong generation or anything. Mm. But to see those songs played live when they came out would be incredible. I think there's an element of that grandeur too, like go, going back to the Eagles because mm. I actually I had the privilege of seeing them live. Yeah. So that was an amazing experience, and and they still hold up. Live oh too. yeah, they still hold up. Like, and Hotel California has that same exact grandeur that I think. Like, I don't know. That's probably one of the most hearing the intro of the song as the curtain rised as that was the first song they did at the concert. Mm. There's I've never felt something that felt more grand. You know, that was that was just like this is is just said this is about to be a good show, and I think there's that's an element of a whole lot of classic rock. So, um, I guess going back to one more genre to kind of wrap everything up. You've mentioned punk influences. These are always my favorite sections. It's yeah. just everybody loves some good teenage angst. So, um, you mentioned Blink One Eighty Two and Green Day. So, okay, Blink-182 has been a strange, very recent, like... Oh. Yeah, so in December of last year, I discovered, like, their existence for the first time. Somehow, like, like, not knowing who they were before. 
and suddenly, like, within one month, they were, like, my second favorite band just next to the Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is really cool. So um, a lot of their – it's, like, it's that feeling that, like, 90s vibe that they yeah. give off that's, like, you're in your youth, you're in your prime, you know. It's mm-hmm. just that's, – that's one thing I love about them. And it's, it's always so fast-paced and, like, pumped up. But, like, whenever they do slow it down, I think they get really good mm-hmm. and can, like – offer like some really introspective lyrics and stuff and other times it's just like the most immature stuff yeah. and I just I don't know I, that's what I love about like the entire like punk genre mm-hmm. so definitely some of the like seminal albums of the genre like uh you know My Chemical Romance Welcome to the Black Parade like that oh, kind of yeah. stuff it's it's super interesting because they're super famous for like particular songs like I know uh Blink-182 has a couple of songs that everybody's heard I know My Chemical Romance has a couple of songs Green Day but when you actually delve into the albums that they come off of, they, their, like, deep cuts are just as good, if not better, than what's being shown to the public on radio or whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And I think Green Day, like, Green Day as another, like, one of the, like, prime example of punk. Mm-hmm. I, I, I want to, like, I actually want to focus on their softer songs, like mm-hmm. um, Good Riddance and Ordinary World. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that they're, like, they create, they... They create emotion so well, you mm-hmm. know, and because time of your life, it's like it's this, ha- you know, it's that happy, sad kind of feeling. Yeah. It's like, you know, something's ending, but it's not, you know, terribly bad. That that but, sort of feeling is all over American Idiot, mm-hmm. all over oh, it. Like with, over. with Jesus of Suburbia, Boulevard of Broken Dreams, Wake Me Up When September Ends, like it's mm-hmm. everywhere. Oh, and then and there's 21 Guns. I know that's not on um, yeah. American Idiot, but like that's another example of like that. I mean... I wouldn't say it's like happy sad, but it's just like it's just tragic, and it's like. But it, at the same time, you're just like rocking out. You're just like, yeah, you know. The riffs like, are incredible. Yeah, it's so so good, and I think I don't know. They just they just do punk is like a strange, strangely good example of creating like emotion. So, mm-hmm. and I think that's something that this another been a big influence on like, you know, me wanting to do film stuff like. I just like that want to be able to like, create emotions not through specifically their songs but like go through like the same process that they went to where like you know you give these like exciting fast paced like highs but then offer like at the same time you still offer like a really good low to like kind of mm-hmm. let it sink in yeah so. you, you gotta have the crests and the troughs within mm-hmm. sort of the waveform of your narrative or else people aren't gonna follow your song you don't want to have a straight path where it just sounds the same the entire time you're not gonna have a classic song at that mm-hmm. point you need your stairway to heaven where everybody's like this is epic because they see that gradual trajectory upwards mm-hmm. if that makes sense yeah I think it's like that just that's same like you know, keeping it interesting applies to like all sorts of media, whether you know it's through music or it's through film or whatever. So I think that's definitely another reason why it's been like such a big inspiration, mm-hmm. even if even though it's like a, been a recent kind of thing that I've enjoyed. So yeah. So was was punk something you had never really encountered prior to being like 19, 20 years old? I so I'd known specifically Blink One Eight Two is what I hadn't encountered, um, mm-hmm. but I you know I'd known Green Day, but I've never like. It was interesting because a few years ago I listened to Basket Case. Yeah. I was like I was like that sounds terrible. And then, <laughs> and then obviously when I once I got into punk and I'm and I'm just like I'm jamming out so hard mm-hmm. to Basket Case and I'm just like this is amazing. This is mm-hmm. music right here. <laughs> and well, it's just, also it's also surprising because I know that it's sort of early 90s up to like mid 2000s where punk sort of had its you know big renaissance period and I think at this point it's sort of died down a little bit. Yeah. But like it's interesting that Green Day was able to sort of ride that wave for so long. 
Mm-hmm. Like oh, they they yeah. started in like I think '94 with Dookie or something like that, yeah. which is a great album as well. But like even going into the 2000s, they were still keeping up progress. Like they were still making punk music that people still talked about today. Yeah. You know, whereas like Blink 182 had like a fairly you know truncated run in like right in between 90s and 2000s that like mm-hmm. everybody knows what their good albums are and they're right in that yeah. period and it's know? like it's after self-titled that it just like they because they broke up and got back together mm-hmm. made neighborhoods which i personally think is underrated mm-hmm. and i think it's a really good album but it's you know it's no if I, when i say neighborhoods people don't know but when i say enema of the state people yeah. say yeah oh yeah that's that. the one yeah, yeah that's the one um well super recognizable yeah. cover too as i see that was 1999 but like you know i say neighborhoods and nobody nobody knows what yeah. that is but then after that they actually got um a new guy to he replaced tom who was the guitarist and one of the other vocalists and matt skiba from alkaline trio replaced him really and i think personally i don't listen to any of their newer stuff because I mean, while I, it, they're expanding into different, like, in more, especially, like, more pop kind of stuff and a little bit mm-hmm. of, like, that rap music. Not necessarily rap, but, like, like the beats that they use in rap. Yeah, more, more produced sounds. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, I personally don't really like it, but, mm-hmm. and especially, like, I, I don't know. Tom is, like, a really, really cool, like, cool guy, and I think a really big influence. I, I prefer, like, him being in the band to Matt mm-hmm. Skiba. But, um, so that's another reason why I don't really listen to the new stuff, but he actually, Tom has a new, another band called Angels and Airwaves that mm-hmm. I think is another, they're, like we were talking about earlier, like the highs and lows, they're a, an amazing example of mm-hmm. that. Like, he, it's like, it's like this fully, like, orchestrated, like, huge, like, it's not like a symphony, but it feels like a symphony, yeah, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's one thing that I, I'd still consider them punk. They're, they border alternative rock, but, you know, they're still, it's still the same kind of music, so. Mm-hmm. But it, it takes it to the next level, I think. Yeah, I, w- I would kill to not be a punk band at this point in time. Like, trying yeah. to, like, match your highs from the early 90s, mid-90s, 2000s is going to be extremely difficult just because our culture has shifted away from oh, yeah. it. So it's really interesting to see somebody who, instead of, like, riding the wave that they entered in their childhood, like, seeing somebody go into that genre nowadays and still find value in it, which is super, super cool. And mm-hmm. I'm glad that it's sort of had staying power despite being, you know, more so listened to for its nostalgic and retro qualities necessarily than being like, oh, I love this in 2020 and I want to hear more new examples of it. It's like this genre is firmly placed in the past, but it's something that people still go back to and they're still mm-hmm. interested in. And I think that's really, really fun. There's one band that I think is, it's probably, they, they started in 2012 mm-hmm. and they're doing basically like pop punk. Mm-hmm. Um, and that they're probably like the only band that's really finding success, new success, you know, that mm-hmm. didn't start in that early '90s kind of era. Um, it's called Neck Deep. Neck um, Deep. If you ever heard of Neck Deep, they're they're really good. They've got a big song called December, and they've had like a million different versions, like slower versions, and they have like fast pace. And then Mark Hoppus from Blink One Eighty Two actually is a guest singer oh, on there. Okay. So um, it, they're they're probably finding the most success out of the whole genre, mm-hmm. like m- you know, modern day. And it goes to show that one of the band members from Blink-182 is in there as well. Like, yeah. just to give you an idea of, like, there are a couple of really big, you know, hotshot talents in that genre that are still making great work today. Yeah. It's, it's mostly just the culture around mm-hmm. it. So it's nice to hear that they're still getting success and in one way or another. I think um, on that, like, success thing, uh, Machine Gun Kelly. Yeah. He actually is making, like, punk music. Yeah, like, no, he's absolutely. He's completely switched from rap. And Travis Barker, again, from Blink-182, is his producer. Yeah, and he's and he drums on the songs, and I think honestly, like him being a lot more popular than Neck Deep, even though Neck Deep is like finding a lot of success, you know, Machine Gun Kelly is like 
honestly like revi- reviving. I Absolutely. Think. And, he, and he's even mixing it up. Like his, um, he made a. I don't remember the title, but there's a new song that he made that kind of uh, mixes um, the like his rap influence with the punk influence, like in a in a better way. Was than it, um, Blink-182 was it his Benjamin new song? Game. Was it that song Bloody Valentine? Is that what it was yeah. called? Yeah, that I think one, I heard that. Um, there's there's that one concert for aliens and a song called My Ex's Best Friend or something like mm-hmm. that. Quintessential um, punk title yeah, too. Exactly. Yeah. It's and they're, they're they're really good. Like I've never listened to Machine Gun Kelly or like or rap music or anything, but mm-hmm. I like I listened to that because I knew Travis Barker was on it. I'm like, this is really good. So yeah, I didn't know that Machine Gun Kelly like fully transitioned genres at one point. I always kind of assumed he combined them, but it's absolutely true. I think now that I think about it, that he was you know a purely hip hop artist that's mm-hmm. transitioned to almost like a pop punk yeah sort well, of see hip hop um, produced amalgamation. Yeah, the album actually comes out in three days. Really? Yeah. So oh, that's super interesting. The, yeah, uh, I think it's September 25th, so... Oh, it's on the calendar. Yeah, it's on the calendar, <laughs> yeah. That's um, super exciting. But, like, those those three songs that I mentioned are, like, the one that he's already released, and, uh, like, mm-hmm. I'm already so excited, because they're all really good. 2020 is a really fun year for music, huh? <laughs> just, <laughs> oh, yeah. just seeing what's coming out after all this quarantine stuff, mm-hmm. it's wild to see. He was also, like, one of the... A huge quarantine artist. I noticed, yeah. like, he, he, he did cover, he did um, Misery Business by Paramore. He did cover that. Best Paramore um, song. I'm and just going to come out and say it. I'm pretty <laughs> sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, that, that I'm pretty sure that's what sparked him to, like, start this yeah. album, I think. That's one of the best punk, yeah. pop punk songs of the oh, yeah. 2000s. Easily. That's quintessential. Quintessential. Yeah. Absolutely. I remember I saw Machine Gun Kelly. He did one video where he took, uh, Jack Harlow's What's Poppin' Beat, and it's, like, him on a video on FaceTime, and he's like, give me the beat, and he's like, to what? And he's like, you already know what it is, what's poppin'? <laughs> and he's like, I got you. And then it just immediately goes into his cover. It was really, really interesting. But that's such a, like, COVID-19 yeah. video that I really, really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. So that was super fun. But, uh, yeah, uh, do you have any closing thoughts that you want to sort of mention? Um, Just, like, I highly recommend all these bands, especially, like, the one, the lesser-known ones, like, mm-hmm. I Fight Dragons, and then, of course, like, Eagles. Like, they had, one like, the biggest-selling album, so a lot of people, you know, everybody knows Eagles, but, like, still. Yeah. I, I recommend exploring more of, like, their discographies. So. Yeah, and uh, just to remind anybody that's listening in on the podcast, um, I run a an associated Spotify playlist that is linked in my Instagram bio at Seth Chambliss, T-H-O, though. Um, and that will be constantly updated with each occurring episode. And they will uh, it will consist of songs that sort of represent the guests or my sort of tastes coming from that particular episode. Right. So if you're ever interested in listening to what anybody has to talk about, um, going to that Spotify playlist, you can sort of get an idea. And uh, I think that's pretty much it. Um, I want to thank you, Philip Walker, for coming on to the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And um, I guess we'll go ahead and close out. So thank you for listening and have a great day.